Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett after Manchester United get the season off to a winning start, three points against Wolves and absolutely nothing went wrong, Rob. (laughs) Well, one thing went right is that you won the game. And really, the first game of the season, that's what it's about. And it's got get the win under your belt and then the rest of it can unravel. But yeah, if you're a Man United fan this morning, I think you're okay that you got the win. You know, some teams didn't get victories on the first day of the season, but there's a lot to talk about. Apologies, everyone. We meant to do a live show straight after the game, but my internet at BT, thank you very much. My internet just decided to take the night off. So it was a struggle even watching the game for me, but I did piece it together well enough. Uh, but it did get in the way of the recording we had planned. So we're, but we're back. We're alive this morning. And uh, we're, we'll talk about the game because I think there was plenty to discuss. Plenty of things that I think we saw in pre-season that we were just put down to pre-season yeah. as a, you know, it's just a friendly, don't worry, they'll work it out by the time the serious stuff starts. And it turns out they ain't worked it out yet. So uh, we'll talk about the midfield. We'll talk about, uh, Wolves should have had a penalty, really, shouldn't they? Uh, they think they've had an apology, which would just, <laughs> I'm sure that is fine. I'm sure they'll be happy with that. Gary O'Neill gets a book in for moaning about the penalty that they should have given, uh, mm. that they eventually decided they should have given. Uh, but yes, yeah, so subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube as well. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us too. And follow us on Twitter slash X and all the social networks at double underscore Scott Saunders, that underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. Subscribe to Rob's YouTube channel as well. And uh, we'll get... We'll get into it, Rob, because my 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 bullet point says three points. Nothing went wrong. Uh, well, te- let's 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 focus on the fact to start with that this is a more positive start than last season. Absolutely, I'm taken back to a time, Scott, a very long time ago, when Manchester United on the opening day of the season played Sheffield United. It was the very first ever Premier League game. And we lost that one nil, or I think we lost two one actually two one. I think it was. I think Brian McClare scored for us, and it was horrible. And we played horrible. And Man United have played terribly in opening days of the season and lost. Let's be completely honest. Cards on the table. Last night, the Wolves' performance was unacceptable. It wasn't good. Man United lost the ball eighty-one times. 81 times. If you lose the ball 20 times, that's unacceptable. Losing the ball 81 times is another level. Um, Wolves had, I think, 22 shots on our goal, which is the most I think anyone's ever had. Since 2005 or something like that. That was a Chelsea team that were dominating. So, look, don't get too high, don't get too low, etc., etc. First game of the season, you've won, but, and there are some buts. And like you just said then, in terms of pre-season... This still just looked like a preseason game to me in terms of the legs. The fitness wasn't there. It looked very messy. Players looked jaded. Players looked like they'd only been back a week, but they've been back quite a long time now, Scott. They've been on a tour. They're supposed to be fitter than this. Um, but yes, disappointing. And we'll kind of try and break bits down for you today. So Rafa Varane with the winner. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Fernandes did the usual Bruno Fernandes thing of having an absolute stinker and then producing a key pass to unlock the defence, which led to a goal. Yeah. Uh, 
and in the circumstances, I suppose that is the most important thing. Uh, United also made a big song and dance over the week about being really fit and feeling feeling really fit when players were talking about how they'd had a great preseason and they were ready and they were prepared. Yeah, it didn't look like they were prepared. Uh, Rob says, "Don't get too high, don't get too low." So we will we will try, um, but you can't ignore the fact that. United should have lost that game. And you can't ignore the fact that I, the amount of times I saw Mateus Cunha just pirouette, pivot on the ball, change direction by about 180 degrees, 90 degrees, and yeah. just run through the middle of the United team. Yeah. Like Lionel Messi. It, yeah. Uh, it was unacceptable. So I've I've seen what Eric Ten Hag has had to say after the game, and he pointed to the fact that United had United's attack were not at it, and they were just not producing in the right manner. Eighty-one times they lost possession, obviously, as you've just mentioned there. Yeah. They were not using the ball properly. Yeah, and I think Alejandro Garnacho did not have. Uh, a good game at all. Uh, I've seen Anthony get a lot of stick as well. Marcus Rashford, we know, is not a centre forward, nope. so that went wrong. Uh, but wh- how do you look at it, Rob? Because I think Ten Hag will point to the fact that the players at, at the front didn't use the ball properly and kept losing it in silly situations, and that would then expose the midfield. Are you more concerned about that, or are you more concerned about the fact that the midfield was exposed time and time again? I'm concerned more about the midfield. So, like, we know that the attack is fragmented. You know, two of the players in that front three are not your regular positional guys in terms of what they do. So, you know, there's some feeling around there. Marcus Rashford, I keep saying it, he's not a number nine. He can't do number nine things. Yes, he can run. Yes, he can score. But he can't do all the rest of the stuff that's really important. And we've seen on preseason, Scott, probably the best player in that position was Jaden Sancho, wasn't it? Jaden had a decent preseason, looked fit, and I think he had an impact last night. But we do need to talk about that midfield because this is a new midfield, supposedly, in terms of how it works or the functionality of the work. Um, the four-one-five is old from last year, but you can see there were more of a four-three-three at times. Casemiro is a pivot at the back. And Casemiro, for 90 minutes, got absolutely murdered in this game. Murdered. And why? Because he looked like he was about 48 years old. You know, he, he looked around my age group. Yeah, he, he couldn't turn. He, I, I, it's one of these things, Scott. I know we've talked about it a lot, haven't we, hypothetically. And we've said, you know, this guy is getting on and he's in a position where you need energy and you need et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one day he's just going to get old and you're going to see it. And we saw it in pre-season, and it was a bit like, fingers crossed, he'll come up levels. But last night, I think that was the problem. The problem is that your number six was just massively exposed, and that exposed your number eights. So Bruno, who's not really number eight, not a great one. Mason Mount played number eight for the very first time in his career, even though he says he'd like to be a number eight. So you've got two guys there who don't really even know each other playing in front of, you know, a perennial winner in Casemiro. And the whole thing, Scott, was like leaving the garden gate opening and wondering why the sheep have wandered out into the road. So I don't know. Like, I think when you look at that, that's that's what sets alarms bells off for me. And it tells you exactly why Manchester United are looking at players like Amrabat, because you need some insurance. So you've just let Fred go. So you're going to put your faith in these guys, aren't you, Scott? And... That was your well, first go at it. Okay, it's the first go, and you can do more. 
but it doesn't, you know, no one's going to start running more, are they? Like, you know, Harry Maguire doesn't get quicker. Casemiro is not. Well, Lissandra Martinez could have been sent off as well, just because there was so um, there was so much space in the middle, and he was having to find. I know his his booking on the touchline was he probably could have avoided that. He didn't really need to make that tackle. Yeah, because I think you probably could have shepherded down, shepherded him down the line a little bit more. But it was like there were three or four occasions where he could have got another booking. Hmm. There was one moment where he tried to stop a Wolves break right through the middle, and he couldn't do it because he was on a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, as much as, like, let's talk about Casemiro then and the eights. They're not eights, they're tens. Mm-hmm. And they, they were playing as tens. And I think that was what, for, for me, I was look at, um, I look at Casemiro and I think, if you're expecting Casemiro to be that, he's never been that type of player to go and cover every single blade of grass. Nope. He is. He just sits in front of the, the defense and protects it. And I tweeted last night, He's been sitting behind Luka Modric and Tony Kroos, who can actually control a game yep. for a decade or however long he was at Real Madrid for. Yep. And he's going to that and he's 31 years old. And there's a, I also tweeted this as well. There's a reason why Chelsea are spending ridiculous amounts of money on their midfield. And there's a yep. reason why they're spending 115 million quid on Moises Caicedo. Because what you need, if you're going <clears> to, <throat> if you're going to play like that, you need a player who can cover every single blade of grass. And they they come at a premium, like Moises Caicedo. If you I, want to play I, like yeah. that, you need Moises Caicedo. I, I, I said on the last show exactly that. I said, I said, you know, like the number six is now the new number nine in terms of being in vogue because it's not just about fashion. It's about how the game is being played in, in, in the modern day. And your number six has to be a jack of all trades, a bit like a goalkeeper has to be now. You know, goalkeeper has to be able to play out from the back. It's now just the assumption as opposed to the alternative. If you're the number six, Scott, you can no longer be a screening presence. You can't just sit in front of the back four and think that that's how the game works. Why? Because the game is a transitional game. Everyone is going to hit you in transition and you've got to be able to run. You've got to be mobile. So you're number six now has to have the energy of a box-to-box. That's the way it goes. So you, you're right. You know, Lavia, Casado, they were the two players that I was thinking of watching that game, thinking Casemiro is old school and he's done it all and he was being great for us at times, but we did see a massive decline towards the end of the season last year. We saw it. We talked about it. And now you've got this guy who is still aging. He'll always be aging. He'll never get younger. His form might improve. His fitness might improve. But how does that work? You just said they're about the two eights being tens. In mindset, they're tens. On on the tactic sheet, they're supposed to do the eight work of eights. And what you saw last night is that because they're trying to think round the role of, of not doing something they're not used to doing, we'll say Bruno Fernandes, much better as a 10, isn't he? When he's being an eight, he sometimes look a bit looks a bit fragmented. Mason Mount was really good off the ball, but could do nothing on it. Because he couldn't get on it. He couldn't get on the ball. Every time he looked for the ball, was it? there was no pass for him. Casemiro Bruno never really found him. It was it was fragmented. First game of the season. So don't get too high, don't get too low. But if I'm Eric Ten Hag, I'm dragging them into training. They'll have a rest day today. I'm dragging them into training. And I'm saying, you must be better than this. Because when you turn up against Tottenham Hotspur, even without Harry Kane, they're full of energy. They want to attack you and they will spank you. And they need to be careful of that Man United because they could have got heavily beaten last night and they came away with a clean sheet, Scott, and a victory. So in some terms, yeah, if I'm Eric Ten Hag, I'm quite happy about that because that's better than last season. 
Uh, well, United have uh, obviously they have interest in Sofiane Amrabat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, they've also been credited with interest in Amadou Onana from Everton as yeah. well. Um, to me, from what I've what I've read, I mean, it, it seems to suggest that Onana is an alternative, a more expensive, a younger alternative to Amrabat. Yeah, and the way that it's looking, I mean, I understand that you could probably use a player like Am like Onana, especially to cover or help Casemiro cover the ground that's, you know, going backwards. He can't do that job on his own either, I would say. Um, no, but close. it seems like to me, and this is a point for concern, that Eric Ten Hag has been set all summer on playing this midfield three. And even if they were to sign an Onana or an Amrabat, they are not coming in as a first choice midfielder. So you're going to have to live with these three trying to work out on the fly how to a condense the space to stop getting counted on and b to use the ball better now that scares me rob <laughs> well if you get a brentford very early in the season those three won't be playing together because i think this is the problem is that again i think ten hag like i i i like the ten hag way and that is that you test it you try it you make it work on a training ground you see it on the pitch and then you decide and that's the right process. And we know that's what this manager does. He takes his time. But if you want to be in the top four, if you want to be in the tight race, this is why I said United might be third or fourth or even outside that. Because I watched the teams. I did all the work this weekend, Scott, on Premier League. Watched every team played and did all my studying notes and everything that I do. And everyone's got a similar problem. Like, especially if you look at Liverpool, we look at Chelsea. But the difference with them, and especially with Chelsea, is that Chelsea are going to go out and try and fix that before the window's over with. Yeah, they're, they're looking at that position. They're going to spend that money. Liverpool have shown their hand, haven't they? That they want a, a number six that is energetic and moves the ball and gets in those areas. If Man United go with Casemiro plus two, then I'm worried. You just said about Amrabat, yeah? I'm going to compare it like this. I know a lot of people get upset we mentioned Harry Kane. I'm going to just mention him hypothetically again here. Is that if you want your ready-made functional player, yeah, go buy Amrabat. But Amrabat is not as not mobile in the six. He's not going to give you extra than what Casemiro does. He'll tidy up more. He's aggressive. He can read the game. He can get the ball moving forward. Fantastic. Good acquisition for around 30 million. If you want someone that can compete with Lavia, who I think is going to become a worldie, and compete with Casado, who I think is not the finished article, but get in there, you need someone younger. You need younger legs. And that's why I would lean towards Anana because Anana for me, is not a, a defensive midfielder in the sense that he's just going to sit. He's good at he's good at destroying. He's good at destruction, but he's also good on the ball. He's also good at the other end of the pitch. He's six foot five. He's great on set pieces. He's he's aggressive, and he's mobile. Scott and the one thing I watched last night and was thinking of the game was this lot are not mobile. So you need to go buy mobility, and I'm not sure Amrabat fits that mo. Yes, he'll help, but in the way that Sabitzer would have helped. But Sabitzer didn't help, did he? So, you know, you're losing Fred. You might lose Scotty. You might lose another midfielder in Donny van der Beek. And that seems to be the way it will go. You need replacements. There's no messing around here now. If you lose those players and have nothing or just Amrabat, I'm not quite sure that's going to cut it after what we've seen on preseason and in this first game. What do you think Eric Ten Hag's default will be, go-to will be then? Because, I, I mean, even if they are to spend... 
50 million, let's say, plus on Onana. Like, to me, I mean, he's going to try and stick with what we saw last night. I mean, because you're, you're asking for a 21-year-old to come in and displace one of Bruno Fernandes, Mason Mount, or Casemiro. Or he's not going to change the system. How is it going to work? But 21-year-old, you can say this is how it's going to be the pecking order and you can fight your way in the team. And I don't think someone like Onano, you know, he's gone from Everton in a tragic kind of relegation battle and might be doing it again, might be slightly better this year, or come to play at Man United and kind of raise up in your status, you know, and feel that you've made something, but you're somewhere where you are. Um, I think you're saying what they're going to do. All we can do is change the system, Scott. So we did see earlier in the tour that he didn't play the 4 one 5 and Casemiro wasn't there. So I think if you go and buy another midfielder, either an Onana, who does well in a double pivot, or you go and get um, Amrabat, I think he's going to go to 4 2 3 one. So what does that mean? I think that means that you then drop probably Anthony out of the system, just temporarily put him on the bench, put Bruno right, that Rashford goes left, and eventually Hoyland goes through the middle. And then you can sort out your number 10, probably Mount over Ericsson. So I think what we saw last night, Scott, was even though the Christian Ericsson didn't look great on tour, and again, not at the end of last season, as soon as he came on the pitch, Man United suddenly had some, some ball control. And they scored the goal from that. And actually, Bruno made that pass, the kind of secondary assist. But Bruno was poor all night. And I'll say, I want him to be player of the year He's your captain. He needs to be better. People moan about Mason Mount. Don't moan about Mason Mount. It's his first game. Moan about the guy that's played, you know, X amount of games for us. Yeah, and we do love him. We want him to do well. But it's, they, they've got to be better, haven't they, Scott? So I think it's not Casemiro's fault, but that's where you are. It's, it's a stark reality. And I don't think Eric Ten Hag's stupid. I think he knows this. And he'll be pushing the club to spend more money. United have spent the second most money, Scott, in this window than anyone. Yeah? So... We can't again go, oh, we don't spend money. Yeah, we do. But you've got to buy the right players now. And that midfielder, you might need both, Scott. Anana and Amrabat might make sense if you're losing, say, Fred and McTominay. doesn't inspire you, though, does it? When you see that in terms of if United are going to go and compete for for titles, I, I, I'd see both of them really as squad players, you know? And yeah. we've, we've talked about this, like, Rob, we talked about it all summer really, there's yeah. going to be a point where you need to replace Casemiro. And, you know, when you and, see... the, I watched... I went to Chelsea the other day and watched Enzo Fernandez. Yes. He's very, very good. Yes. And you, you pair him next to uh, Moises Caicedo, and then you've got Romeo Lavia kind of coming in and out. They can play in a two. They could play in a three. And I know Chelsea's midfield weren't... They, they weren't optimal the other day. But there is a reason why Chelsea are thinking we have to spend this much money on a midfielder. There's a reason why Declan Rice cost a hundred million quid because yeah. these players are very few and far between is Amadou Onana on the same level as those kinds of players. I mean, remains to be seen. No, he isn't like not, not on the, on face, like on, on surface level. And, you know, one of the players I really wanted early in the window when we did shows was Lavia. I was like, go get Lavia 50 to 60 million. He's going to be fantastic. Could be generational. I think at that, at that price point, like Liverpool are mad not getting that business done because they could have got that business done weeks ago and they played around with Southampton, which is kind of what they've done with all their Southampton talent over the years, like Van Dyke and Lenana. They played around and played around with that football club. 
thinking they can get a deal out of it. You're right. I, I think when you looked at the Chelsea game and you looked at what Chelsea are doing, and you've got to compare to your rivals, is that they had maybe a dodgy first half, but as the game went on, the functionality and the tactics started to kick in and Chelsea started to have more possession. And you need energy in the heart of your team in the Premier League. You cannot get away with it. If you are passengers, Scott, you lose. That is it. And that's what happened to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United. 4-2-3-1, static, lose, get sacked. Now, I don't think I don't think the manager now is of that ilk, but I think he'll be pushing for midfield signing. Again, we said that weeks ago. We said we think that this is a priority for him because United need some more productivity in there. And Casemiro will help you, maybe in a 4-2-3-1. But now I'm looking at the 4-1-5. I'm thinking, straight away, I'm thinking, Casemiro hasn't got the legs for this. So what do you do? You'll have Martinez behind him getting booked in the 20th minute every week because Martinez will be trying to save the pivot in front of him. And that can't be, can it? So, it, yeah, I think this is where you kind of you huff and puff about it because you need to go and get something. Just is Anana in that class bracket? No, I don't think he is. But I think he's really good and I think you can develop. And that's where you have to be. You know, if you can't get your world-class striker, Scott, what do you do? You go down and you get Hoyland, yeah, and that's the that's the comparison I would make is that Anana's had a year of Premier League experience now with Everton. I didn't I like think, him as a player, but yeah, I he think did he's, really well. Yeah. He played number eight for them more, just about functionality because what Everton needed. But before he came to Everton, he was a defensive midfielder. That's why he's been brought up as a kid. He's played that role all the way. Now he's not a kind of old school number six, but he's a modern defensive midfielder like Casado is. Casado can hurt you down here. Agazada can hurt you up here, like Declan Rice can. You can do both, can't they? And and I look at Anana and I look at that and I think if you're going to play 4-1-5, you need energy and physicality there. Anana's six foot five. You know, he's he's built, you know, he's built for that role, and he's quick and he's clever and he can pass the ball. And I look at that and I think then it's a little bit easier to take Casemiro out because you say, no, it's legs for legs. Like this guy's legs are gone or he's tired. Come and sit on the bench, Casemiro, for a few weeks. Let's give an honor a go. It's even a little bit easier than maybe you don't want to play Kobe Manu there. You see, I think that's too deep for Kobe at the moment. But someone like Anan is a little bit older and a little bit more experienced. So 50 million, I think, you know, if I could do that deal, yeah, I would do that now. And and I would probably prefer that over Amrabat, personally. Well, you mentioned Kobe there. I mean, there's been suggestions this week that United want to try him as a six. And that yes. is... That is the position that they see him as. They tried him there in preseason. Obviously, he's picked up an injury, which is just a, a bit annoying. But, you know, if you want to bring players through, you don't really want to stop the progression of somebody like that, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. You need to give them a chance. And, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it would be it would be good because I think that what we did see out of Kobe is a lot of pressure to put on him. Uh, but was somebody who can actually cover ground and actually pass the ball pretty well uh, throughout preseason. I'm sure he'll get his chance at some point in the season, uh, but United do need another midfielder, especially with Fred confirmed as joining Fenerbahce over the last few days. Donny van der Beek will probably leave as well if they can agree a deal at some point. Yeah, For me, this is going to sound stupid, but you need Scott McTominay's energy. At the moment, the, on that well performance, do. you might well need Scott McDominay's energy. So I, I wouldn't even consider it. You need his height as well, you know. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. 
let us know uh, your thoughts at underscore Rob underscore B at double underscore Scott Saunders on Twitter. As well. I got plenty of you uh, talking in the replies to the tweets that I put through last night. Uh, let's see what Ludders said. Uh, Jonathan Ludlow said, whilst I agree, he looked like he was wading through treacle at times in reference to Casemiro. And that is pretty much the case. I made the point of just uh, <laughs> the fact that Casemiro, yes, he was overrunning midfield, but the two guys in front of him did not help him at all. No. And Rob, we, we talked throughout the entire summer. We were very much in the pro sign Declan Rice camp. Yeah. And they didn't. Obviously, he's gone to Arsenal, but we did say, and I'm sure there's loads of fans who, who thought this as well. If you're going to play Casemiro in midfield, you need somebody like Declan Rice next to him. If you're going to play Bruno Fernandes as well, hmm. you know, uh, and now United have not decided not to get involved with that. They've not paid that amount of money and now they're looking for an alternative that's cheaper. What, what I'm confused about, Scott, and this is again where the question is on Eric Ten Hag and this is up to him, is that if you're going to play Casemiro, then what is the functionality in front of him of that five? So the five can't just be a wild press. And we saw in, in preseason that that when Casemiro wasn't available, that Ten Hag went to a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 and went back to that. Okay. But if I'm the manager looking at that, I'm already convinced that that's not going to work. Like I'm looking at that because it's about legs. It's not about quality. It's just about legs. You just haven't got the legs there. You just said about the other two guys, which we talked about extensively, is that if your solution is that Bruno Fernandes is going to play the eight to support the six and the six will support the eight, then I think that's not going to work. You know, like Bruno did it well last year when we had injuries and had to be, you know, flown into that position because of Ericsson's injury. But already I'm looking at that and thinking, best ball progression from there is probably going to be Christian Eriksen. And we've already said that his legs are going and you've got Casemiro and his legs are going. So this is not like trigonometry. This is not algebra. This is just very, very basic stuff on a football pitch. Can someone run? Harry Maguire is leaving the football club, Scott, not because he's not a good footballer, because he can't run. That's why you're getting rid of him. So like, I look, I don't think you're going to do it with Casemiro now, but I do think you need that replacement to work with him now. And and you just said about Kobe, you know, I've got big faith in Kobe. I think he's brilliant. But if you bring Kobe Manu into the team and you expect him to play the six or support the six, Man United are going to lose games if you think that that is the way that you're going to do it. And that's fine as long as the Man United universe doesn't explode because you're fifth. So we know it will. And we know Rick Ten Hag will probably get sacked at fifth. So you've got to have a balance here of being able to feed minutes into these legs, but then also know you've got something else. So that's why I look at Anana. Yeah, I think Amrabat's the favourite to come in. But guys, don't get overly excited. I don't think Amrabat solves any of what we saw, saw yesterday. He'll help, but you need someone that can do the 6-8 function. I talk about the 6-8 all the time. You've got to be able to kind of do a little bit of both. Lavia can do that. Casado can do that. Anana's, I think, the next level down but you could develop him into that top level. I really do believe that. I think he's got that potential. There's not many out there. Like they're costing a hundred million for a reason. Declan Rice could have been the perfect player to go and get, but Arsenal got him and Arsenal got him, Scott, because they're in win mode. They want to get over the line. You know, the Granite Jacker gone, had a great season, big hug and a cuddle and they bought Declan Rice. So Man United, I think they're not thinking there, but I think you need to develop that number six pretty quick. 
I'm sure they'll sign one before the window closes, but obviously some players to shift out first. Let's talk about... Let's look at the front line. Any any oh, the comments penalty? you'd like to? We'll do the penalty at the end. We have to. <laughs> I don't want to do it yet. But the front the front line. Any anybody impress you? Uh, just in general, was Aaron Wambasaka maybe the best player? You know, best player on the pitch for us. Yeah. Aaron def- definitely had a really good game. Did all his defensive work and had to do it well. Like the irony of all this, Scott, is that even though we're talking about negative points, Man United didn't see the goal. That was great. That's a really good. That's a good start. Clean sheet for the goalkeeper. Clean sheet for the the back four. Few worrying bits. Luke Shaw didn't look fit to me. Obviously, Martinez got pulled. Varang, great goal, great moment getting up the pitch. But right back, that's why Aaron is ahead of Delo for me. Is that he can give you that kind of performance in that scenario? But you know, fighting fire a bit. So yeah, he played really well. But I think when you talk about the front three. I don't want to see Marcus Rashford as number nine. He can't do it. I'm, and I'm talking off the ball. He can score you goals, but he's just so much better on the left. And I think if Eric Ten Hag could do the game all over again, he would definitely start Jaden as the false nine like he was doing in a pre-season. I'm surprised he didn't start that way. I'm not surprised because of Garnacho. So Garnacho is flavour of the month. And we, you know, we all love him and we all think he's got that upside. But you saw last night that because the system is a little bit still this and it's new players, not quite sure... Big thing, Scott, last night, playing out from the back was every bit as bad as it was with De Gea. That's not Onana's fault. That's the that's the team's fault for not spreading when he had the ball. Like, it was pretty obvious. But when you got Garnacho, there was one great pass that Onana made to him. Did you see it? Where he, he made that uh, splitting pass to the wing and we were in. Uh, that was to Marcus. He might have scored from that situation because Marcus would have just gone straight line with the ball. So, I think Marcus is happy to do the number nine position when he has to, but he isn't very good at it. I'm just being honest about it. It just isn't. Like, he, he doesn't do any of the off-movement stuff. Like, I watch him closely, and he doesn't pull the defenders in and out. He doesn't press correctly. He he's all, he runs and then stops and goes, it's a little bit Cristiano for me, <laughs> you know, but Marcus is younger, so there's no excuse. But he's just not very good at it. So you need Hoyland in there very, very quickly because he'll give you more more of that stuff, more movement, more of that kind of helpful stuff as a number nine. And yeah, hopefully more goals. But Marcus playing on the left, I think, is is really critical for United in the week's head. So let's talk Andre Onana then. Mm-hmm. He made his Old Trafford debut and kept a clean sheet. Made some important mm-hmm. saves. Uh, well, he should have given a penalty. He, he kind of laughed it off after the game. Mm. Uh, and Eric Ten Hag said... He didn't really. Well, go, go and watch what he said yourself. I mean, he 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 said we were lucky, but also it wasn't a penalty. So I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that, Eric. But was it a penalty? Should it have been a penalty? Yeah, of course it was. It was a penalty before VAR looked at it, and it was a penalty after VAR looked at it. Because why? Because he runs out wildly and just throws his body in a star shape at the player and then clotheslines him like he's height of WrestleMania or something like that. Like it was a very, very impressive clothesline. But it's not legal in football. So I think I think um, Andre Anana had a really good game. Like I think up to that point, I think he did what he has to do. And you can see that he's got great technicality on the deck. But that was another confusing thing, Scott. Anana's been at the club now, what, kind of two to three weeks? And it was absolutely no remnants of a team that when the goalkeeper gets the ball knows what they're doing. Nothing. Zero. 
So Lanana's getting the ball and quite often getting his head up, or sometimes getting to the edge of his area quickly, scurrying, looking to distribute. Players were all stood still like statues. Now that could be fitness because you're tired, so you're standing still, but it's not good enough. So that's again something that that will come in time. But it's no good replacing your goalkeeper for 50, 60 million pound new goalkeeper that does all the distribution if you're not going to move for him. So that worried me. Like Again, I looked at that and I thought, hang on, guys, you had three, four weeks to work on this. You've been working on it last season, even with De Gea, like movement off the ball and all of this. But it's the first game and you're stood still in front of your fans, 70-odd thousand here at Old Trafford. You're not moving. Why? So again, these are all, are they little things? No, they're massive things, but it's the first game. So you hope that they progress. But overall, Anana, good performance, definitely a penalty. And if I was O'Neill on the touchline, I'd have been shouting and screaming until I got a red card, not a yellow card. Yeah, it was a penalty, wasn't it? Of course it was. It, if it, it was the other was... end of the pitch, we would have all been going, what's going on there? And Scott, first weekend of the Premier League, we've already seen this with VAR. VAR going now, we've set the bar higher again. We're not going to look at stuff. It's like the referee got that wrong. He got it wrong. So you have to you have to help him overturn it. I don't mind if a referee went to the monitor then, Scott, looked at it and went, no, actually, that Anana is contact. He's just contact, two players of contact, and I've decided that's not a penalty. But what do we see? Referees go to there and default. They don't make a decision. They just go, just do what they're told. So VAR is now going, oh, but what if we're wrong? What if we're wrong? We can't tell them we're wrong. But the referee was definitely wrong. And anyone that knows football within the first second of that knew that that was a penalty. And we would we'd have been talking totally different game here, wouldn't we? Because it would have been one all, or we might have even lost. Well, I think Eric Ten Hag over the summer has been quite forthright in saying he wants Man United to lean into their traditions. He's building Man United yeah. into their traditions. And the traditions generally are, outside of winning trophies, of doing things the hard way mm-hmm. and being the best transition team in the world, which I'm picking up as another quote. It seems to me that all United were living for last night was the transition. Now that yeah. that is that's a big concern. Uh, if if that's all that United are and they can't do the basics, they can't control matches. They will win matches, and that's why I think they could go to Tottenham and potentially score a ton of goals against them because Tottenham will give them space in behind. You know, or I think they could we played get Tottenham, Tottenham. Yeah, I think they, they, they lost. I think Tottenham would have murdered us last night. I think players like Son, Richarlison, Madison would have absolutely unlocked us to pieces last night 10 times in a row and we would have lost that game. So I'm with you on that because I think think they have their defensive issues and a lot of teams do. I just want to make this highlight this point, Scott, and I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. We went to Las Vegas on the tour and all of this and it was great and we, you know, it's great meeting the fans and all of this. I'm never convinced that tour games really get you to your fitness levels that you need to be. And I've said this before, and that worries me because they end up being PR exercises as opposed to being fitness exercises. And that's kind of still how I feel. United, when they go on these tours, they're long, they're hard, they're tiring. Like we were knackered, Scott, weren't we? You know, we weren't even kicking any footballs. <laughs> and it's like, you look at the team and, and they're in that as well, aren't they? They've been on planes and trains and automobiles. They've not been kicking and playing football. They've been training, but it's been fragmented. So, I'm not surprised they're not fit yet, Scott, but you need to be fit on the first day of the season. That's something all football clubs, I think, need to look at now is about what they make their teams do as beforehand because you're not getting the fitness in the legs. And we saw that in the Premier League this this weekend. There's some teams that 
just don't look ready. And maybe, again, the Premier League needs to look at this and think, how long do players need to rest beforehand? Do off-seasons need to be longer? They're thinking of cancelling the the winter break already because they haven't got enough space for games. Uh, You can see why players are complaining, Scott, can't you, that they haven't got enough time to both recover, rest, and then get themselves going again for new seasons and new games. Well, uh, football, eh? <laughs> yeah, football, but, but these are the wider conversations, aren't they? Like, this is kind of where we are with it. because there, there are reasons why they're not fit. It's not they're not trying. It's just that they're not fit, are they? Like, is that your takeaway, Scott? Do you kind of feel, look at that last night and think these players have been together now for six weeks overall? And they don't look like they've had six weeks of training to me. They no, look, it's, it's, they look it's, like they've had two. It's, it's true. And United yeah. aren't the only team either. No. Like Liverpool, United look worse than Liverpool this weekend, even though they won. But Liverpool were bad uh, yeah. in the second half. Ch- Chelsea figured it out, but they changed their system to accommodate the fact they don't have uh, a six, you know. But you just uh, mentioned Fernandes, didn't you? And, and, and Fernandes, is that, is that you can get him to do the function. You can do a bit of both. And United, I don't think United have got that. I think you've got a, a six who can move around in a little circle in the middle of the pitch and maybe do some destroying. The other thing with Matt Casemiro, Scott, again, flying in sometimes with tackles. And again, I was watching it going, this is just not a season all over again. You just stop flying in. You don't no need to go to ground. Um, but those other teams, like Chelsea-Liverpool, was like I thought it was like a kind of two drunk boxers punching each other like this, like flowing their arms around. But what worries me is that we'll get it right somewhere down the line because they're buying for those positions. They're trying to sort it out. When Man United, I think, good start. You've won the game. But there's definitely stuff to address. Well, very positive start to the season. <laughs> it's Fantastic not our fault. News. It's not our fault, everyone. I've, you know, it's like we, we try our best for this, but I think it's trying to find a balance somewhere in the middle. It wasn't really a lot of balance. Let's, let's just say this. I think if there's matches where United are going to be penned back and they can play on the break and they can play on the transition, I think they might be okay, potentially. Yeah. If they have to take a game on and they allow that kind of space in midfield, they are going to get absolutely trashed several times this season. Yeah, That Liverpool game, that 7-0 Liverpool game, mm. I'm worried. You know, that that kind, that Man City Brentford. game, the 6-3, yeah. you know. I'm, I'm trying to be logical with it and keep balanced on it, but you're just we're just calling out what we see here, and that is that some things that we... Th- that, we've kind of been told we're fixed or look like they might be fixed, haven't really been fixed. And yet there's, there's these big issues. Like we're talking about players leaving the football club. And yes, that's understandable. But how many do you let go before you buy in? <laughs> you do need to keep buying if you're going to do that and replace them. It's really important. So yeah, we'll see where it goes. And fingers crossed, like you're going to have to make midfield additions. And if you don't make midfield additions, I don't really think you can talk about a title race at the moment, Scott. Like you, you, it's faux, like, you, you can only talk about a title race if you really are the ultimate optimist and you're not interested in tactics and not interested in what your eyes are actually seeing. Um, well, but the thing, like, yes, I understand that. But in the in the grand scheme of things, being Man United, if your manager is going into... By default, every manager, I think, with who's managing United should, within three years, get them challenging for the title. And I know we're in yeah. the second year, yeah. So you need to see some kind of progression towards towards that. 
Besides uh, Chelsea, you're the, you've spent more money than anyone else. Like, like everyone could talk about the hundred million additions elsewhere. You know, Arsenal's hundred million on Declan Rice. We've spent more money than Arsenal this summer, right? So, like again, this doesn't correlate, does it? So, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think you only get so long. Like, and, and you know, we're not talking about Eric Ten Hag being sacked or anything like that. But if you don't win a few games, like come on, Scott, first ten games of the season, if you lose three or four in that period. You're talking a different thing again. We're going back to old conversations. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be Jose Mourinho, the, one of the greatest managers of all time, and that doesn't save you, does it? You know, Louis van Gaal, one of the greatest managers of all time, that doesn't save you. Eric Ten Hag would fall foul of any of that, and you know, same as Ole did. So, yeah, not not great start, but you won, and it's up to the manager now, isn't it? This is what you know. I trust Eric to get it right, but. I don't know how you make players run faster or run more because if they can't do it for whatever reason, like I, I look at the ball players, Scott, and I think that's where United need to go now is that if Mount and Bruno are going to start, pressing is great, fantastic. Do your off the work ball, all off the ball stuff, but on the ball, you've got to make stuff happen. And yesterday, they just passed the ball sideways and, and they had plenty of possession, Scott. Like we can't even look at the possession stats, say United didn't have the ball. They had plenty of it. The truth is, they just did nothing with it. So if you've got players like that, they have to do more. It's on their shoulders. And it's not about Marcus Rashford being the nine, is it? And it's not really about your defence or your fullbacks or stuff. It's about ball players and it's about controlling the ball and getting the ball moving quicker than, than, than it was yesterday against Wolves. I think Wolves had a laugh yesterday, Scott. I think they looked at the game there and thought, is this a team? Is this supposed to be title challenges, this lot? Like we're walking through them through the middle. It reminded me of Kevin De Bruyne against Ashley Young many, many, many years ago, just walking through Man United's midfield. And I'm like, oh, no, this is Wolves. And we we look bad. <laughs> well, they have a, a behind-closed-doors friendly against Everton. They uh, do. And they need it. I think that's, that might be, even be today. And uh, then they have a trip to Tottenham on Saturday night, which should make for an entertaining game for the neutral uh, United have plenty of work to do before then. Uh, Rob, we've had uh, we've had our say. Uh, get in touch with us at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show on what you thought about last night's game. A win is a win. The most important thing is three points came United's way. They lost their first two games at the start of last season. They immediately have more points than then over the first two games last season. This year, so some positives, but plenty to work on. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Head of the channel, like, leave a comment for us as well. And uh, we'll be back ahead of that game against Tottenham. Usual slot of Friday, I think. But any final thoughts, Rob? No, I watched the Spurs game deliberately with one eye into the future and thinking about work and how how, how we kind of mesh our content together. I was, I was impressed. I looked at Spurs and, and there's the stuff that's not right. Like it wasn't with Liverpool and, and with Chelsea, but I looked at Tottenham first time and I thought, they were right. They're not a bad team. And I think that they're going to, you know, their front-footed football is definitely going to leave them exposed at times, but only to teams that can pass through and press through that. And, like I said, I think we'd played Spurs last night. We probably would have lost because Spurs have a little bit more cutting edge in terms of their their kind of front line. And Man United need to find those solutions very quickly through midfield. That's just where we are. And if you don't, it could be a long season. But if you get that one or two players that help you, Scott, 
might be back on track very quickly. And as you said, three points is three points. Three points is three points. And that is the most important thing. But plenty to work on on the training pitch this week because they can't. If they play like that, they're going to get hammered a few times this season by better teams. Anyway, that's it from us. Uh, very positive start to the season. <laughs> not Hopefully. our fault. I always say this. I always say when United play badly and we have to do this, it, it really isn't our fault. Like we couldn't sit here for an hour and tell you guys it was all great. So we're just trying to we're trying to pick holes in the obvious stuff. I'm sure all of you were debating on Twitter have seen it already. And uh, yes, please contact the show and please tell us what you thought in our comments here today on this video or on Twitter. Please tell us all of your thoughts and uh, and participate in the debate about whether Man United can push on from this. Hopefully they can. That's been it from Scott and from Rob today. Thanks for listening to The Promised Land, everyone. We'll see you soon in the lead-up to United's next competitive fixture at Tottenham. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll see you soon, everyone. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.